0: Happy Valentine's Day, happy hump day, happy uh, Chiefs Parade Day, and I I will say I find it oddly enjoyable to watch other people's championship parades. Not everybody, not like the New York Yankees, but like the Chiefs. It's kind of fun. Yeah, guys completely hammered, uh, running around shirtless in Missouri in I don't know, fifty degree temperature. It doesn't. I mean, even the cheerleaders are completely covered up, and you got football players just running around half naked, like the alcohol is strong with these ones.
1: You don't get annoyed by other teams' celebrations? No,
0: not not every I, team. I
1: find more than like two or three minutes of it is is very annoying. I can see single clips on social media. That's great. Why? I don't see a here a and watch of joy? watch
0: Why are you a thief of
1: joy? Why can't you just enjoy? Why something? would you want to watch anybody else but your team? Um, like it, it meant that your team because didn't it's win.
0: an expression of joy. Like, why would you – okay, in that same way, why would you want to watch the Super Bowl if your team's not in it? Why would you want to watch the World Series if your team's not well, in it? Well, that's
1: entertaining. There's not much going on and besides, like you said, guys just drinking and riding on floats.
0: I mean, in fairness, there was um, Willie Gay running around in, in his boxers, okay, drunk and off there, his there, ass. then
1: there was the other 58 minutes of the hour.
0: Uh, no, then they had cheerleaders. That was quite enjoyable. They've had plenty of things here. Like, listen, when the mayor of Kansas City gets on the TV, we agree. This sucks. Who is this clown? Why is he uh the the start of the, the parade here or the start of the ceremony? Or certain actors that are fake fans. Are you
1: are you calling out Eric Stone Street? Oh, no, I'm not saying anybody in particular. I'm just saying there's people like that. Who? Name them. People. A lot of them.
0: Oh, well, like you got okay.
1: You know that draws the celebrities out. Whenever a team wins, all of a sudden the celebrity comes out of the woodwork and is just like oh, I've been a fan my whole life.
0: I mean, it's the Chiefs. When previously to this era of Chiefs football, when were you going to come out and be like, yeah, Chiefs, that's me right there. People
1: in Cleveland here have been a fan fan of the Browns, regardless of they've been good.
0: I mean, guys, Drew Carey was at when they was at the big ceremony, the first game when they brought brought the Browns back five years later. He was like, I'm not a Browns fan anymore. 2020
1: the year they went to the playoffs, we had uh, some musicians and stuff like that come out as fans and uh, seemingly disappeared in the three years. You
0: really are a thief of joy. Sometimes you can't just let people enjoy it. I agree that there is, like, I'll be honest, guys, I'm sorry, Drew Carey, I love you, respect you, Plinko is the GOAT, I love what you do, you're a great sign of success from Northeast Ohio, I've never met you, but I've heard lovely things about you, but you are not allowed to back on the Browns bandwagon, you're just not allowed, to. I'm sorry. When If you've openly, like, this is, I, like, if you renounce your citizenship, I was reading about a, a, a famous rich person from the, uh, what's that pharmaceutical family, the, the Salter family, I think that's the name of them, I don't. I should know I'd literally just read a whole expose on them but from them um so they one of their their founding when, from born in 1910 he renounced his citizenship citizenship to America and became a British British <laughs> citizen and I thought to myself cool don't come back you can come back to the country but you can't you you can't get that citizenship back and I can't say citizenship can't say the word <laughs> to save my life but that's my point. Once you've left the bandwagon, if you're a celebrity, because oh, it sucked and it wasn't fun. Cool, frig off. Now to the end of time. Go watch Seattle Sounders, uh, whatever the hell they call this soccer team. You seem to like them a lot. I appreciate you, respect you. You're more successful and talented than me, but you're not getting back on this bandwagon. So we're not too far off, is what I'm saying here. But there is mounting there is mounting evidence to suggest that people are are changing their tunes on the Cleveland Browns. And Aditi Kinkabwala was on with uh, Ken and JP this morning, another fantastic episode by those two gentlemen. And Aditi was talking about the impact of Jim Schwartz, the impact of the Browns winning this year, and something that happened to her involving Cleveland during the Super Bowl.
1: Last week, there was a player I spoke to. I will not name names who was talking about Jim Schwartz's defense and said, "I want to go play in that."
0: Whoa! Like, I'm gonna guess that. it's Hassan Redick.
1: That is not. Not revealing who the person is.
0: That was a really strong. Okay, you, if you guys want to see the whole video, it is up on 92 through the Fan's Twitter account, and I think it's also on 92 through the uh, Aditi went full mom because we cut it off there, but she then goes, I'm not going down that road. Not not overly firm, but just the right amount of firm that Ken and JP knew. Don't go there, young man. If you if you offer up a second suggestion, Aditi will mic drop on your ass. All right? Or she'll do the thing where you're not sure if she's done talking and then you think she hung up. That happens with Aditi too. That's just because of her inflection. But I digress. With With this... I think it's really important. Listen, we can call this the Jim Schwartz impact if we want, but it's not just about Jim Schwartz. I don't know that the Browns are 100% here yet, but when you hear Aditi talk about a player that is looking at Cleveland and going, all the things that used to to be what Cleveland stood for, Kenny Britt, ah, eh, they offered me $40 million over four years, I'm going to take that, right? The guys that would come here for a paycheck. There's an element to that in... Every situation in the NFL, every team gets at least one free agent. That's only doing it for the money, but for Cleveland, for a good, strong decade, there were guys and like Jamie Collins came here, got a contract extension and immediately was a dud in the clubhouse. Not a bad guy per se. He just, he, he cared about his ducats. He he cared about his performance and, and wasn't maybe the best example of leadership behind the scenes because it, the organization was such in a negative funk. So for a really long time, the Browns have been go get your paper team. And while again that that's always going to be an issue, no matter where you go, I think you know if we use Baltimore as like this 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 kind of offshore lighthouse that we're going to of what we want to be. No offense, nobody really wants to. Okay, I know they got crab cakes. I know the wire was was filmed there. I know some people like the DMV area. Baltimore in it in and of itself, not a place that I think has the allure of some of the other eastern seaboard giants, right? Um, Baltimore, there's some complications there if you've read into the recent history of Baltimore. There's some violence issues there. Not sure if you've heard about that. Um, there's also some racial issues in, in Baltimore that are significant. That's also the same in, in Boston. But like Boston has a track record of sports success that stands alone. New York has a, a a lifestyle that that offers players uh, something different than anybody else, including Baltimore, has. But over 20 years, Baltimore has built itself to be the place that veterans want to go to either wrap up their careers or extend their careers. Derek Wolf, who is a great lineman for the uh, Denver Broncos, got three years at a high level at the end of his career in Baltimore. Calais Campbell who I think is one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the last 20 years. The man is like 6'8", 300 pounds. Uh, He can play defensive tackle. He can play uh, defensive end. He has scheme versatility. He is a monster of a man and fantastic at football. was actually really good this last year in Atlanta, Calais Campbell, after a disappointing run in Arizona, extended his career by a wide mile or a wide margin. I keep saying wide mile. A wide margin in Baltimore. Kevin Zeitler was released by the Giants, who had offensive line problems in 2021 was a pro bowler in 2022. Or, sorry, he was released in 2020 and was a pro bowler in Baltimore in 2021. Jadavian Clowney, who was guys unemployable, goes to Baltimore. Jadavian's going to have a really nice market for himself despite all the obvious warning signs that we ended up experiencing. I don't know the Browns are there just quite yet, but like when you have somebody telling other people, like, hey, yeah, I want to go to Cleveland because of Jim Schwartz. I don't know the Browns are fully there, meaning I don't know every single player thinks the way maybe they do about Baltimore, yet. It's been four years. You've made the playoffs half the time. They're still evolving the perception of the Browns. But when you hear a player during Super Bowl week saying, man, can you believe what you can do in Jim Schwartz's defense? When you have Joe Flacco out there on one of the more uh, notable national podcasts saying, Yeah, people got it wrong about Cleveland. Can we just all take a moment just to realize that even though they're not a top 10 organization perceptionally yet, this is a far cry from where they were five years ago, where they were a paycheck to other people. I think that's just a really cool moment to observe how different people are thinking about the Cleveland Browns this year. And if you kind of take that going forward, because now it's on the Browns not to screw it up. You take that going forward another four years, and success tends to breed success. I want to go back to what Aditi Kinkabwala had to say about the changing perception in Cleveland and the impact of Jim Schwartz.
1: Last week, there was a player I spoke to, I will not name names, who was talking about Jim Schwartz's defense and said, I want to go play in that.
0: Whoa! Whoa! I'm going to guess it's Hassan Reddick
1: that is not You not revealing who the person is.
0: A strong by Aditi. Um the, the this is actually the funny thing is we all did what Ken did. We were like, Oh, is it Hassan Reddick? Was it Khalil Mack? Was it and then you just insert a player's name there. I will say, uh the Chargers need to move on from some money. Khalil Mack, uh I think it was pro football focus, had Khalil Mack to Philly for a fourth round pick. I would do that tomorrow in a heartbeat. Khalil Mack here would be a lot of fun across from Miles Garrett. They should have drafted him fourth overall in 2014. But again, that is about the changing perception in Cleveland. And the fact that, yes, you have Micah Parsons making a Cleveland as Cleveland joke. You have Jamar Chase making a Cleveland as Cleveland joke. But slowly but surely, the 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 way people view the Browns is changing. And that is going to open up doors here. And I think, listen, I don't think you have to look any farther then the Browns going four for four in the NFL honors. Like previously, guys, you might win one of those four awards, and it's a hair tussle. Like, good for you, Miles Garrett. Good for you being a good football player in Cleveland. Previously, like Kevin Stefanski, that first year, Kevin winning Coach of the Year felt a little bit like a hair tussle. Hey, you aren't Freddie Kitchens, and you kind of got the Browns over the hump. Finally, this year, you can't explain away four NFL honors, four yearly awards as a hair tussling. And I don't think it's just Jim Schwartz. By the way, I think Jim Schwartz helping Miles Garrett become the defensive player of the year for the first time in his career. I think that's the kind of thing that has tangible value. I think Miles Garrett winning the defensive player of the year because guys are pretty smart. Like guys like Jadavian Clowney get frustrated when Miles gets all the the nice matchups because they're trying to make their dough too. Smart football players know. Guys who aren't just selfish know. That if you cook across for miles, that's it's only going to help him and you, and which then brings me to my next point. And I see this differently than everybody else on the station does. Um, I heard Ramon Foster, a former Pittsburgh Steelers offensive lineman. I heard what Ramon Foster had to say about the Steelers quarterback situation, and he tied it into Cleveland, and everybody. Went on high guard. Everybody was on that high we gotta we gotta go ahead and uh you know circle the, the wagons here. We gotta build a, a fortress around the northeast Ohio area. We can't let this man besmirch Cleveland. I think there are two things going on. I think the most important thing is the thing that people missed. That's what gets it to me. You have more stability than you're giving yourself credit for. Like do you see Baltimore making these types of moves? Like, this type of scrambling and searching for a franchise quarterback is very Cleveland of y'all to be asking this type of stuff. <laughs> Am I no, like, no, oh, I ain't even no. wrong on that, that man. Like He just dunked on everybody watching this. No, oh, DK, it is. Like, it's, it's very Cleveland of you. Like, go get your guy through the draft, and you know he fits your DNA. So – One, that's actually on DK Sports in Pittsburgh. And what a fake-ass laugh from DK. (laughs) Like, I can't remember. It's uh, Devin Kovacevic, I think is his name. What a fake-ass laugh. (laughs) You just dunked on a lot of people listening right now. Uh, Two, I think what people are forgetting is I don't think Pittsburgh has been this triggered about Cleveland and on guard on Cleveland for as long as I can remember. Like, maybe, because remember, like, when the Browns left in 95, Pittsburgh and Buffalo and Kansas City, they say, come on board here. You root for us for the next couple of years and we'll hate each other again. In 99, that was kind of back. But I think Steelers fans were just happy that the Browns were back and they had a chance to resume that rivalry. Then they never resumed that rivalry because the Cleveland Browns were an unserious franchise for 20 damn years. But like Ramon Foster, one, I do want to get to the actual thing that he's saying, that there actually is something valid to what he's saying. But most importantly, like this is just the latest thing. Like yesterday, I was listening to 93 7 The Fan, and everything was well, we got a punch at Cleveland to try and make us feel better about ourselves here. Guys, they're doing what we did for the 20 years where they dusted us, right? Where it was like, well, sure, Ben Roethlisberger, but what about those charges, right? Well, uh, sure, yeah. Well, you, you Pittsburgh, but you haven't won a playoff game in five years, right? They're just doing the same thing. To me, the rivalry's back. Like, the whole T.J. Watt thing, uh, Steelers fans backing up an entitled bratty athlete who was upset that he didn't win defensive player of the year because he allegedly, he felt like he was entitled to it. Well, me have most sacks. Me should win that one. Eh, go ahead and lift weights again, T.J. Like, I just think the reality is, part of this is, we are really in the Steelers cage right now. And I think Steelers fans and Steelers media are pretty scared that all of a sudden they're going to be the odd man out. The Browns were the odd man out in this division and somebody's going to be it. I don't know that it's going to be the same team every year. Right? There were a couple there was a there was a, a fair amount of time even before it became the AFC North when it was the the Central. There was a fair amount of time where it was the Bengals that were the odd man out. And then the Browns kind of took up that mantle. And then the Browns and Bengals kind of traded back and forth. And then the and the Bengals started winning a little bit. And then they kind of receded a little bit. And then they got Joe Burrow. But, like, the Steelers have not been the odd man out in this division consistently since, like, the 80s. And so you have a generation of people who don't know what it's like to lose at this level. And, by the way, they were in the playoffs. But the fear is real. I think some of that is Cleveland finished ahead of you in the standings. All of a sudden, the little brother isn't the little brother anymore. They were better than you. Your fate was the same. It doesn't matter because now Pittsburgh's feeling the pressure. And I think what's funny about this is uh, Ramon Foster on one level is 100% right. Pittsburgh, this is not a good offseason to need a quarterback. I mean, honestly, guys, I think it's tough to go ahead and find a quarterback that you can bring in that is going to fix things if you are – it's better to look for the next quarterback when you already have the quarterback, right? Uh, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and now Jordan Love. Both times, they've looked for the quarterback when they haven't needed the quarterback, and they've taken a tremendous amount of crap for it. Uh, San Francisco had Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter. Yeah, the injuries were there, and that kind of forced their hand, but they had him when they drafted Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. So that's what good franchises do. So, like, Ramon Foster is right. Pittsburgh, I don't think you should commit to uh, Kenny Pickett, but... Chasing Russell Wilson is pretty desperate. Chasing uh, what were the other names? Ryan Tannehill is pretty desperate. If you if you get somebody who doesn't still have upside or somebody that is just kind of a back half of their career, final two or three years, you're right back where Pittsburgh was until they drafted Ben Roethlisberger. And I mentioned that you know they haven't been the odd man out since the '80s, guys. That Cowher era, the first decade, was kind of marred by the fact that they bounced around from Neil O'Donnell to Bubby Brister. Cordell Stewart was their quarterback sometimes, maybe. I don't know. There was the Tommy Maddox era. Like, Pittsburgh's in a place they haven't been for 20 years. They are in the quarterback list abyss. And Ramon Foster's, I, I, I disagree with the quarterback that he said, but he's is right to say, guys, it's what we did. The Browns had a different starting quarterback uh, damn near every year for 20 years. And it only perpetuated the losing crappy atmosphere in Cleveland and the losing crappy atmosphere in that locker room because it was the number one thing. Who's going to be the quarterback? Do you draft a quarterback? Do you take a quarterback top 5? Right? Do you trade for this quarterback? Well, why should maybe we get Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield? That's where Pittsburgh is. Now the problem is you're there. Problem is like there's no bargaining in this situation. Well, we should just double down on what we've been doing as it hasn't been working. But he's right. This is the thing that Cleveland used to do and there are certain moves that are just going to wind you right back where you are, which I find incredibly hilarious because Pittsburgh thought this would never happen. I thought it was really funny and I again, I thought it was spot on. Ramon Foster on DK Sports in Pittsburgh was like, man, everybody wants all these different quarterbacks and uh, that's like what Cleveland would do and he's right. Like guys, we would start out every offseason with the highest principles. We're like It is Kirk Cousins or bust. It is uh, Jameis Winston or bust. It is Jared Goff or bust. And then we get like a couple months into the season, we'd be like, you know, I mean, Tyrod Taylor could be available. I mean, I think that's a a logical thing, you know. Oh, what about this Deshaun Kaiser guy? And by the time we got to the draft or the time we got through free agency, we'd be like, you know what, guys? I think Cody Kessler. I mean, Hugh Jackson said, trust me on – on uh, on Cody Kessler, he he's not going to do that for just about anyone. He literally did that for just about every quarterback he brought in here. RG three, the world moved beneath his feet. Um, I probably would have seen a doctor immediately if if the world moved beneath your feet watching RG three play. There's a problem with the, with your ecosystem, not what's going on with the quarterback or what you're seeing. But I just think it's I think it's fascinating. Like I think Pittsburgh's in a really rough spot. One, there is no Aaron Rodgers. There is no, like, I, the best guy that could be available is Kirk Cousins, and I don't know he will be. And I think there's been a lot of talk about, oh, it's a great quarterback class. It's the best quarterback class since Joe Burrow. And that might be true, but, like, I don't know that any of these quarterbacks, I like, I know tools-wise that Caleb Williams can be a special player, but now you have concerns about the person and about – why they didn't win this year at USC. Like, Drake May is a really nice prospect. He's got the, the kind of starting experience you want. He was prolific in a spread offense. He, he's also more of a traditional quarterback. He's mobile, but he's not the most mobile guy in the world, and you'd kind of want to know what that per, that uh, ability to read defense is, whether he can do that or not. I don't know you know that in that offense at North Carolina. J.J. McCarthy is a guy who says uh, – Everybody talks about his tools, the guy, the guys they won because they ran the ball a lot. Nice nice player at Michigan, but he kind of just a quarterback. He's kind of just a good player. I don't know if he was a truly great player just because he was better than the guys they had before. So, And those are the, the top three guys I'm just thinking of off the top of my head. So even if you trade up and draft for a guy, I don't know that Pittsburgh's going to find themselves in a best spot to land an actual upgrade over Kenny Pickett. It might end up being the best thing they do is take a guy in like the third round and give Kenny Pickett the chance to start or compete to start, bring in a veteran to compete with him and then hopefully develop that quarterback over time. Hasn't worked with Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges or uh, Josh Dobbs or Kenny Pickett, but got to kind of keep throwing darts at the dartboard because you don't have a top 10 pick this year to get one of those quarterbacks. That being said, while as my I and I have had a lot of fun listening to 937 the Fan the last two days and listening to the absolute panic about I mean they've they've done everything. They've mentioned all the names. Uh Adam Crowley uh of the morning show. He had an interesting name that I do think you might think right now it doesn't bug you it would bug you in time. That's
1: a guy that intrigues me, Doran. Like, If he were to hit the free agent market, that price gets driven up and up and up. But I'd at least contact Baker Mayfield and just see what he's looking for because I think he would obviously be an upgrade over what the Steelers quarterback situation is right now. I think that if Baker Mayfield did get contacted by
0: the Steelers and the Steelers were really interested, I think he'd be really interested in playing here just because of the fact that he would play the Cleveland Browns twice a year. And I think that that's how Baker Mayfield is wired. That chip on his shoulder that he's always had would be a huge Dorito chip on his shoulder (laughs) to go in there and play the Browns every single year. Like If I were him, knowing how Baker Mayfield kind of operates, if he was getting paid the way that he needs to get paid, a team that may be okay and he has some weapons, but I get to play the Browns twice a year, a team that drafted me first overall and gave up on me, oh my God, I'd be all over. So this is the kind of desperate thinking that we had previously gotten to. There, I remember there was a time where we talked about should the Browns trade for Ben Roethlisberger? And I'm talking like 33-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. That's before the time when he got arrested when we well, if Pittsburgh wants to move on from him, should we trade for Ben Roethlisberger? So the whole flaw, the 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 flaw in the Death Star is you're going to sign a quarterback because he would be uh, I don't know he, he'd want to play his old team twice a year and. He would have a chip on his shoulder. Guys, Baker has a chip on his shoulder. He doesn't need to be in the same division as the Cleveland Browns to have a chip on his shoulder. He had a chip on his shoulder at Texas Tech. He had a chip on his shoulder at Oklahoma. As the first pick in the draft, he somehow had a, a chip on his shoulder. I think Baker just has a chip on his shoulder. So the idea that that should make him more attractive to Pittsburgh is honestly a pretty stupid thought. However, I think Browns fans right now would say, I'll let him have him. I don't think it makes sense for Baker to leave Tampa Bay, by the way. I think they should pay him. I think they should stabilize that spot. I think they should start trying to draft and develop for the day where all of a sudden Baker is Ryan Tannehill and he's no longer worth the money that you're paying him. But that's neither here nor there. Baker, get your paper. But I think there's a lot of Browns fans who have taken this approach of, I don't care about Baker. Why are you talking about Baker? Why would anybody talk about Baker? I don't know if you know this. He kind of cast a bit of a shadow as the Browns quarterback. Like he has been, he's the best Brown starting quarterback since Bernie Kosar. Maybe Vinny, because Vinny did have that nice uh, 1994, but he was better in Baltimore and he was better in uh, New York. But anyways, Baker's the best Brown starting quarterback since Bernie. So he's got the lone playoff win that you've had since 1994. So that matters. They moved on on from him for the right reason. But I think what's funny about this is. I think what what is missing from the Pittsburghian, the Yinzer logic, the Pittsburgher logic, is that it only matters what Baker Mayfield does outside of Cleveland if Deshaun Watson continues to not be able to meet the price tag he was traded for. If if Deshaun can't stay healthy, which is my big concern now, it's not the production. The production, I think, is going to come. I think it was on the come this year before the injury happened twice. But... It's so easy to say, I don't care about Baker. I don't care about that quarterback. You're, you'd care about him if he was in your backyard and Pittsburgh was in the playoffs every year and you have to restart your quarterback search in two to three years. And I don't think the Cleveland Browns want any part of Baker Mayfield in Pittsburgh because I think they understand that those two quarterbacks, even though they weren't traded for each other until Deshaun Watson plays 17, 16, a full season, whatever that means, 15, 16, 17 games, and leads you to the promised land. And that's just the playoffs and a playoff win. Until that happens, guys, there is going to be a push and pull of what happens with Baker and what happens with Deshaun. I thought we did a great job of not overreacting and being bitter about Baker's success in Tampa this year. And a lot of that was because the Browns won 11 games and we were in this love fest with Joe Flacco. When Tampa Bay turned it on and took over that division is right when Joe Flacco kind of turned it on and the Browns took over a playoff spot in the fifth seed in the uh, AFC. But I think if you're saying to yourself, I don't care if Baker goes to Pittsburgh, I do sense a little bit of denial there.